welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Hey gang, Christopher here to welcome you to the Time Shifters Podcast Cincinnati Comic Expo Special. Yes, it happened. The expo was back. Tom and I went down to the Duke Energy Convention Center in downtown Cincinnati last weekend, and it was so nice to be back among the artists, authors, cosplayers, celebs, and fans. And we did what any good podcaster does when in these situations. We recorded stuff. The usual disclaimers apply. We recorded in large open rooms and on the convention floor, so the quality of audio can be a bit rougher than normal. Also, keep in mind we were both masked, though my mask muffled me a lot more than Tom's muffled him. We did the best we could, and I think you'll be able to get the gist of it all. I'm going to start with our entry into the expo and followed up with some excerpts from the first panel held Saturday morning. Greg Autour is a 37-year toy industry veteran, he held a panel called Designing and Developing Action Figures, a behind-the-scenes look. He had a slideshow, so there were visuals that went along with this talk that you obviously can't see here, but he's descriptive enough that I think you'll get the point. He spoke for 40-plus minutes, and I'm only giving you a fraction of that time, So, uh, but it was a very interesting panel, and Greg was a joy to talk to, and I think you may hear more from him on the show in the future. All right, we are here, folks. This is it. We're at the Cincinnati Comic Expo. Masked, muffled, excuse us for, I hope this sounds okay and comes through. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, I'm excited. That, I mean, this is the first convention, big, like, group gathering I've been to since... 2019. Yeah, no, uh, I know this is the first I've been to in that time, too. So this is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, right now, this is like, if it stay like this, it'd be awesome. <laughs> now, it wouldn't be good for any any of the exhibitors. <laughs> this would be the last, <laughs> yeah, because we, we're here early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We they, they let us walk in a little early. The doors don't open for another 20 minutes, I think, or so, half an hour, 20 minutes. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, we got really lucky here. Um, you to walk around kind of un- unfeathered. Uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, weekend, I think, uh, for the expo. Uh, I think they have a lot of great, you know, obviously a lot of great artists and comic guests. I think the media guests are a little on the light side. I'm not yeah. saying they're not, you know, I mean, they have some big names. I mean, they got Felicia Day. Right. That's going to be a good draw. John Berryman will probably be a good draw. Yeah. Um, but there's not the, like, the guess that everyone's going to come down. Right, yeah, no, no major primary name from something that's current. Right, which I, I also I kind of wonder if that was a result of the pandemic or was it on purpose thinking that's going to help kind of keep the crowd down? I, I Knowing that there are conventions out there that are getting some bigger names, like I, I, I follow Katie Sackoff, 
quite a bit, and she's been going to convention to convention and convention. Isn't but she's she, going to be here this weekend. Too? I think she was yeah. supposed to be, and mm-hmm. then had a scheduling conflict. You're correct. So, You're correct. And, and she would have actually been somebody that has current material out in the world uh, with uh, another life, uh, starting a new season here soon. So, so yeah, I, I think it was maybe maybe just a missed opportunity for this one for a few folks, but. Yeah, you never know. I mean, there well, is some planning that needs to be done here. Right, and it may be a kind of nice happenstance that it may indeed kind of help keep the crowd down a little bit. I mean, I want everyone to do well. I want the expo to do well. I want yes. the exhibitors to do well, but there <laughs> still is this thing going around <laughs> that you do have to be concerned about. So be a hero and wear a mask, get vaccinated. Actually, we were kind of hoping, we uh, Hawksworth is here doing a blood drive, and we were really kind of hoping they'd also bring vaccines along. Yeah, I think that would have been pretty cool. Yes, so I don't know that I like they'd happen. Slogan. You came up with a great slogan for it. Yeah, be, be a hero, get vaxxed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See? I'll go start writing press for them. They, uh, <laughs> they, could, have, uh, they could have some, uh, some medical professionals like cosplaying. As, as superheroes or you know or vampire characters <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on it just goes hand in hand yeah oh the blood yeah uh, i mean there, there's the morbius thing that's supposed to be coming soon so yeah see there's opportunity there right. so so we're here uh, is there anything you're kind of really looking for i know you're a felicia day fan yeah uh, i'm, I'm looking guessing for... that's kind of high on your list it, it, it is kind of high on my list uh i am actually uh, a little upset that we have to split ways to to cover um um, Oppenheimer and Felicia Day. So, I mean, that, that, that'll that be fun, too, because he's done so much material. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping his Q&A will be pretty interesting. I'm yeah. hoping it's well attended. You know, uh, again, it sounds like it's not in, like, the main room. So I'm guessing they're thinking it's going to be less of a draw. Right. I, I hope it's well attended. I, I hope it's well attended, but if it is, uh, I hope you'll get more opportunity to hit maybe a little one-on-one if you get a chance. Uh, but yeah, I hope. but um, actually kind of looking forward to Barrowman, too. I've not seen him at a convention before, and I hear he's kind of fun. So He's pretty wild. He's even doing some uh, cosplay stuff. So you'll see Barrowman in all his outfits and dresses. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, from what I understand, it, he's a pretty... Uh, pretty wild character yeah no so that should be at least entertaining i haven't uh, i haven't gotten any time with him before so that should be cool so the big question will be is whether or not i can make it through the day without bringing yet another piece of art home <laughs> well that i don't have room for on the wall time time, time to build more walls <laughs> yeah i keep hoping for my son to like lose interest in some things so i can start growing my corner <laughs> and it seems to be just the, the opposite is happening. So. Spe- speaking of sons, I'm looking forward to that. There's a there's a talk going on about action figure design and making, and right, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. He, uh, when when I informed him I was going to that, he's like, "Oh, well, if it's boring, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me it was cool and carry on." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's one of the first things going on today. I think it's yep. on. That's at eleven. Yep. Um, so it's like an hour after the doors officially open. Yep. So we, yeah, we'll definitely try to get up there and check that out. I think that's also in one of the smaller rooms. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to hunt for it. But it's around here somewhere. I've got the map. The yep. app updated. Oh, and I'm already looking at like Godzilla art on the wall over here. Oh yeah, no, it's in full view. Yeah. Standing right here between two of some of my favorites in the area, the toy department and Queen City Comics. Oh. So. 
Well, they're st starting to kind of rile up the, uh, the horde outside, I think. <laughs> so we must be getting closer. So I guess we should take advantage of the open aisles while we can and yes. kind of wander <laughs> a little bit and see what we can see. And then we will uh, we'll come back to you in a little bit and let you know what we find. Sounds good. So I think this year makes 37 years in toys for me. I actually started I started as a as a summer I went I entered a toy competition for Mattel, which was you know design a toy, win a prize. I didn't win the prize. I got a summer internship that ended up lasting 10 years. So I got the real prize. Um, so these are just you know, some of the companies I've worked with. Um, Mattel I was with for 10 years. Hasbro, depending on how, how you want to count it, I was with for nine years. Click the next slide. Depending upon where I'm working, I'll find out that many of the people I'm working with, I made their toys. I run across that all the time, which is really funny. Uh, I, like, one person I was showing in the toy and they were like, I don't remember having one of these. I, I, I swear I had these or whatever. And I finally, afterwards I calculated the person's age and went, oh, yeah, she actually had those, which is really fun. Anyway, so um, I've done a few things. Oh, tons of Star, or Star Wars toys too. Any of the Star Wars fashion dolls? Not, not the collector ones with like the, the, the weightlifter Leia. Anyone's ever, <laughs> if anyone's ever taken the, the dress off that doll, it is, it is, she looks like a Russian. It's really scary, actually. What, what were you people thinking when you made that call? Um, so, a few things. It's funny because I'll run across slides of stuff, too, going, it looks like my work, but I don't remember doing it. And I've calculated I've done at least 2,000 toys by now, um, which is a few. Okay, let's, let's flick on. This is where we started. Now, granted, these are the six-inch versions from Marks, which were more fun to play with. But, you know, it was Army Man. And, of course, in the generations before these, before, before Lewis Marks captured one-third of the world's sales in toys, uh, with, with, with things like that, uh, it, was, it was the little metal Army Men. You know, especially, you know, in, in Europe and places, you, you grew up with that, which was, you know, and then America, pretty much after the war, you know, became the powerhouse of making fun plastic toys. So, but, but let's go through the process. My plan here is to go through the process, hit on it, tell a bunch of stories in here, uh, show you some new things, and then open for questions, okay? So feel free to think of questions. If you really want to interrupt me in the middle of it, go for it. Uh, we can recover. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's go. So the first thing that you want to do is you need a concept. And you usually have to get that concept in front of upper management of somehow, and, and then usually it's, it's also in, in terms of it's a license, actually go to the next slide, if it's a license, you've got to get it in front of those people. So actually I was working on this one about 18 months ago, where it was actually for Walmart, for a company called Aqualeisure, but it was obviously you know, licensed here by Disney Marvel. And I had made these, you can see the bottom one there, I made these really cool diver figures. So instead of just taking your, your dive sticks, hard dive sticks and throwing them in the water and going, okay, now I guess I'll go get them. I made divers that were stretchy and you could take them, put them on your fingers like this and go bing, and they go and you know, Then they'd go down the bottom look like they're, so it made it, a real fun play pattern. I'm all about let's make more play in the toys. That, that's, to me, it's all about experience. So I showed them these versions because these were selling really well. It's like, hey, let's do the, uh, 
let's do the marble figures for this. And we designed some other ones too, and they weren't quite there, unfortunately. Disney loved it and approved it. Walmart was like, I don't know. I don't have Anyway, uh, <laughs> next one. So actually, so, oh, so that's, I'm oh, sorry, back up a second. So typically what will happen is there'll be a concept board that gets shown in a meeting. Now, I'm a little different, big surprise. I tend to shoot past that and show someone a rough working model first because I can usually sell in something 10 times better with a rough model. So I, I often do that and it works. But in this case, it, you know, this was in the middle of COVID and some things like that. COVID was just starting and so everything went digital. All the meetings with, Dis with Disney were digital. You're also laying out what you're doing for your line, uh, your whole marketing. The funny thing is, the first real marketing work I ever did was actually on G.I. Joe because there was a, a young lady who was assigned to the team as the marketing person and she didn't know anything about G.I. Joe. She had no idea what to do. She had no idea how to line anything up. So I started doing all of these for her, which was fun. So I'm like, no, no, we, you know, we've got collectors who just do World War II. I need at least three of those through the year. I would like a, I'd like a astronaut one at least once a year because I've got a, you know, a group that just does astronauts and I try to balance it out as best as possible. And as you can see from these dates, I mean, it used to be when most of us here were kids, everything shipped new like in November, beginning of November, the Christmas time. And, uh, and it would stay on shelf, and then they would refresh it next Christmas. But now, toys have become a commodity like tomato soup, and you make sure that you've got that peg filled. When I first heard this concept back in Mattel in like 93, 94, I thought, that's crazy. That's exactly what has happened. So if you look at all this timing, these are all slots. So some of these figures, the lower price figures, are, are refresh quarterly, which is an awful lot of work. So you've got to be selling enough units to also refresh and, make, and still make money doing this. And for me, one of the advantages I had for Hasbro was they actually, I had started going, I, I decided I didn't want to relocate to Rhode Island, I wanted to stay in Cincinnati. And I was no longer in the building and then they needed help on G.I. Joe, and I had tried to talk myself onto the G.I. Joe team earlier. But that team was the G.I. Joe Extremes. Anyone remember that? And if, if not, it's okay, because <laughs> even the G.I. Joe collectors hated it. <laughs> um, but anyway, someone remembered that I had told them, no, I'm a G.I. Joe expert. I've got everything. Or, you know, I've, got, I've got a huge amount of line. I've got blah, 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 blah. So when it came time, they were like, hey, wait, wait, that one guy that used to work here, Greg, um, he says he knows this stuff. Go give, give him a call. And so... And I spent the next five years doing it. So that was, that was a blast um, doing that. Actually, go to the next one. And of course, after you've decided what it is, you actually need to come up with the engineering drawings. So next slide. This was actually Missile Command Duke. And one of the things we did was, and that's where I was starting on the last story and got derailed, but I'm ADHD fluidly, <laughs> um, which is why I can do all these weird things. Missile Command Duke, the funny thing is, that was actually originally an action man sold over in Europe that was the Falconeer, which had a falcon and you'd press the button on this thing, I think you'd pull this thing here on the bottom of it, and it would shoot off this foam falcon, which was kind of cool, but not very G.I. Joe. So I thought, well, what if you had a personal missile launcher? 
It was probably one of the dorkiest GI Joes I did, but it was a very low price point. It was the first really, really low price point for a 12-inch figure, and from that viewpoint, it was fun. So I was always back, back to I'm always big for putting in play play into it. And so this is the drawings that were actually released in that an engineer then went into the CAD system and made CAD files of all of that and made it work because it had to fit exactly in the same slots and everything as the Falcon did. So, next. Licensing is always a challenge. So, I want to show this one. So these are, I know these aren't action figures, but it's a great story. So, these are cute little um, Lion King figures. And by the way, these ones actually, so this was actually the packaging that we showed at Toy Fair before everything was done. Those are the finals. But I actually got to sculpt all of those. So they were, that was, that was a blast. But, and this actually won the Disney Consumer Product of the Year Award for that year. I'm gonna come a little closer for this. I probably stepped out of the camera view. And we're back. So, cute little lions, nurturing features. Um, and, and of course you see all the other animals there. And this one, if you, if you pull, he's got his little paws up. And if you pull his little arms down, his little head goes up and then he had a little bowl and a spoon that were made of leaves. Very cute, very endearing. If you look at Nala, she had, I think hers was like a, a pineapple bottle. If you put it in her mouth, her eyes would close, like you're putting the baby to sleep. Very cute little features. And I had, I had little melons and things like that all through it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Simba, Snacking Simba had a melon too. And the Disney people had been on about this, you know, in their, in their emails and stuff. Well, we're, well, we're looking for realism. We really want to, well, we really want to get realism on this one. So, so I showed these, showed the models, and they were like, yeah, um, you know, we're really thinking realism on this. We want to get more realism. We're not sure about these fruit bottles and things. I said, you know what? I knew you guys were very interested in this. So I went ahead and did some research. And Simba would be eating this. <laughs> Can you guys all see that? Nice big haunch of zebra. <laughs> and I dropped it on there just like that. All the air was sucked out of the room as they went, <gasps> the fruits look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then they would, in the presentations, were going farther, they would start talking back to realism again, and I would take it out of my pocket. I'd start walking it back over, and they'd change their mind and I'd walk it back away. <laughs> it was actually a little rude of me to be doing that, but I, I had such credibility with them that it wasn't a problem. And any questions? Yeah, I do have a question. Um, the market for action figures, particularly like action, action figures, you're talking like the G.I. Joes or any of the uh, movie franchises and stuff, I feel like is less for the kids these days and more for collectors and adults. How has the planning and development changed over the years now that it's it is seems to be more aimed at the collector market good question and there's several answers to that basically the the 12 inch figures are gone i mean they've got cheap versions that have no articulation now so that market has pretty much gone away it's now aftermarket and a lot of collector collector collectors doing their own aftermarket and stuff which is fun which is not real big. Mm -hmm. A third of all toys are actually licensed. And, um, and it is entirely a different customer. It is the customer who's, you know, for all the movies, it's like, you know, 14 to about 30. And the smarter toy companies 
will go to conventions and listen. They'll listen to hype other than just the movie companies talking about their next big movie. And, and the smarter ones, thank you, five minutes, okay. The smarter ones will, um, will actually listen to what the consumers say, ask them some questions, do some studies, and actually make it that way. Um, some of the big companies have kind of lost that idea. I think they know what the collector always wants, and they kind of have been missing the mark quite a lot lately, which is a shame. So, yeah, it, the right thing to do is look at your market and see who, what, what they want. All right, lunchtime at the expo. So we just got out of a panel with, uh, I can miss how to pronounce his name, it was Gregory Autour. It was A-U-T-U-R-E, I believe. Uh, he didn't actually say his name during <laughs> yeah, the presentation. He didn't so, himself, so. Um, but he was a... Uh, a toy designer, an action figure designer, who has apparently been in the business for lots of years. years yeah. yeah. And it was all about the development and the production of uh, particularly 12-inch action figures. That was pretty interesting. I mean, he kind of really got into the... It, it was brief, but he still got into a lot of the nuts and bolts. Yeah, yeah and he definitely focused on his ADD. He loved to go tangent at every moment. Yeah. But they were fun stories, but... Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, and maybe not everybody who's aspiring to be a toy designer would appreciate, because maybe they want to hear about the art and the, the artwork and the crafting and the sculpting and all that, but I appreciated that he really got into the business of, of doing. You have to, you have to actually market your toy. You have to prepare your design. You have to also break it out into what it's going to take to actually build a thing it's not yeah. just hey i got this really neat concept uh, just a handful of the uh, toy properties that he's worked on is of course star wars uh jurassic park marvel barbie uh, aladdin uh the matrix figures uh, i saw that he worked with uh, pretty much any toy company you can think of that's ever done action figures disney was big Disney, yeah, Disney was definitely a big one. Uh, I saw, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him, I'll have to swing by his booth, is his work with McFarland Toys. It's yeah. got me curious, because I know McFarland Toys kind of, they set the mold, uh, pardon the pun, <laughs> of, um, like, realistic action figures. I, well, G.I. Joe, he'd probably argue with me the G.I. Joe, but as far as... Uh, just the amount of detail that goes into an action figure. I feel like McFarland Toys really kind of set the modern mold, let me put it that way. Yeah, no, because when you talk about the G.I. Joe line, and his specialty was more the 12-inch range of mm -hmm. figures, so he's definitely more interested in the playability. They need to look a certain way, and he needs to get into the details of costumes and accessories, but... For the McFarlane lines, you are literally trying to reproduce artwork that was in two dimensions. Yeah. So they're getting into the highly detailed sculpts. They might not have as much playability as the stuff that he works on. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that was something I actually really appreciated, that he he really tried to uh, add play to the figures. So it wasn't, a, that they, wasn't that just that they would stand there. He wanted them to do something. Uh, he wanted the uh, the gun to shoot, or the uh, playset to fall apart. Uh, your 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 sea mine will float. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and explode if you the the bomb that he showed, the bomb disposal, where if you turn it one way, you diffuse the bomb. If you turn it the other way, it it breaks apart That's and explodes. Genius. That was great. That was a great idea. I love it. Uh, and, and I love that he had a story about somebody that was uh, a detractor for that. I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> well, actually, the funny thing is, I saw so many of his uh, toys and pieces, and I'm thinking. Those are all really bad choking hazards. <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> oh, but the trials and tribulations of, of what he was saying, you design something, and it'd be really intricate. The one figure that had the gun, it had a bunch of different pieces, and all the pieces were designed to assemble in different orders to create different weapons yeah. or, or, or different Use your things. imagination and make a new weapon. Right. But nowhere on the packaging did it say that you could do that. So nobody knew. Yeah. And, that, was, that had to be just crushing. And, and, and that's actually why this was a good talk. Because uh, if you're aspiring to do this kind of work, you need to think about those things. It's not enough to just have your own concept. If you expect that to actually make it to the shelf and have the public get it to understand what it is that you've tried to design you have to be a part of the process almost the whole way through yeah, you have I, to be your own project manager yeah I, I, and I like that that was kind of one of the things that got him to kind of jump into the marketing as well as the design he, he had no intention of ever being a, a work in the actual marketing no but he, he was so disappointed that these things that he was creating wasn't getting marketed with these wonderful things. So he's like, okay, I got to do something here. To the he, point he's sharing uh, some stuff that's not, that's only like recently live and all that. And the people who are in charge of selling it missed the point. Like he was showing off uh, Halloween inflatables and they're meant to be interacted with so that you can get a little more enjoyment other than sitting them on your lawn. Right. And no one thought to take uh, product shots of people interacting with the with the inflatable. Yeah, that was terrible. No, I really love that that giant octopus. Really got my attention. <laughs> I, love I like that. the cannibal with the pot where you. That could, was cute too. Can you imagine how adorable it would be to put like several small children in the pot with this thing? Yeah, yeah. It would be really awesome if you wanted to go ahead and play up a theme, and you could dress as dress the part yourself. Yeah. Some sort of jungle cannibal and you could take take people's kids during trick-or-treating sit them in the pot and let them uh, let their parents take pictures out in front of your house yeah but yeah even with the octopus it just had the one tentacle with a, a, a effectively a window that you could right. stick yourself through yeah, you can, ah, I'm yeah. stuck in the tentacle but right octopus. no I think that was that was that was great I, I, I love it I, I, I like that he tries to create things that want make you want to interact with it well, yeah, and that was a little bit of a part of the conversation toward the end. Um, the notion that um, a lot of what people are making now are just kind of a representation of a character, like the 12-inch figure line that he is very fond of. You can get those from uh, many of the things. I'm, I'm familiar with all the ones. I, I used to rag on them myself. You can buy, like, superheroes that are roughly 12 inches, but they don't bend at any of the joints. And they're, they're just essentially a plastic doll 
statues. They're statues, right. Well, and honestly, a lot of the... I'm telling you about talking about the McFarland stuff. When those yeah. toys first came out, they are not really... They're poser. show pieces. Yeah, they're show pieces. They are statues. They're not really action figures. No. <clears throat> but no, I, I think... Um, if I have to reflect on, I really wish we could have had more time with them too, because since he was into the marketing and all that, I would love to have a larger conversation around toy sales in general right now, related to the fact that there's there's no Toys R Us, there's no toy store, and if you go into any of the places that quote unquote sell toys, their shelves are empty. Um, they barely carry the things that they say they're going to. It's got to be a really hard time to be in the toy business. Yeah, I mean, he was saying now that he was doing freelance work, and I just, I can't help but wonder if that's kind of code for, you know, effectively unemployed for that, kind of for that very reason. Yeah, and the way his presentation came off, it seemed a little like that. <laughs> yeah, well, and now he's doing the... He's on uh, a downturn. He's doing the uh, the shoulder dragons. Mm-hmm. The, the stitch and stuffed shoulder dragons that you can pose on your on your shoulder and have it right around with you and everything. That just seems like something that's like, well, I got to do something. Well, and he focused heavily on um, even in the work that he's done um, throughout his career uh, because things like the twelve-inch lines are not as popular and the mark and uh, a lot of the production the producers are not making them. So he's focusing on his Etsy work, uh, where he can sell aftermarket stuff, which is yeah. still kind of a neat idea. That is actually really cool. Yeah, that, that I actually I think is really neat that you can have a figure, and a lot of times you can go to some of the places like this. Yeah, you go to these toy dealers and everything. A lot of times they'll have boxes of just old figures out of package, missing their stuff. You get it for a couple bucks. Right. So you can get a 12-inch figure for just a couple bucks. And then you can go to some place like his Etsy site. You can make him whatever you know you want. You you want to make him a GI Joe. You want to make him a superhero. It's funny you mentioned that because it was years ago at some uh, local flea market thing. And Jack was fell in love with the uh, with one of the classic GI Joe characters. And now I'm thinking, oh, we could do so much more with it if we go visit the aftermarket stuff. Yeah. And then you can have so much fun with them because uh, I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you have seen some of the uh, stuff that the photographers have done with the 12 inch figures just out in their backyard. Well, they'll they'll pose them and and do action scenes and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, those are amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, my son wants to try to do some of that too. So, but yeah, no, it was was really kind of neat to to get into this because. Right now is such a weird time in the toy market, so yeah, it was good to get time with uh, somebody that uh, has been there, lived it, and discussed actually the business of it. Well, and maybe we can get some time with him. He says he's going to be at his booth, and yep. we've got a we've got a few hours to go before, um, well, a couple hours to go anyway, I think, until any of the other panels that we wanted to hit start up. It's going to be key that I get my picture taken on the back of Panthor. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we, we should talk about talk about some of the stuff we've seen now that we've yeah. walked around a little bit. I really do love, I mean, the 501st is all we've, has all we've done, I can't talk, has always <laughs> done some neat stuff for um, uh, charity where they, they set up, you know, sit with the emperor, the Hoth cave, um, things like that. 
And so now, yeah, we got one with the He-Man where they've got a giant battle cat and a giant panther that you can, for uh, 20 bucks, I think it is, you go and sit on top of and you have your photo taken. Get your picture taken. They've got the weaponry of the characters that you can see. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was really if you're allowed to actually use... I don't know, but I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> that was very cool. I just, I love that uh, people have taken that, the next, that kind of like that, that step. They're not just there looking for charitable donations. They're like, oh, yeah, it's a charitable donation, but look what you get to do. Right. Uh, I think in 2019, 2018, someone had a, a like a giant head and hand of the, um, Iron Giant, and you could walk up and stand in his hand. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And no, I thought that was amazing. That was very cool. Well, and yeah, I mean, you get you're you're taking care of charity, and people get to show off their artistry in making these things. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Which definitely is in full uh, full bloom there at the uh, the five hundred first. Yeah, I mean, the five hundred first. The detail yeah. those guys go into for creating their sets are pretty pretty. Incredible. Actually, and that was and that's a hell of a segue between that from our conversation with Greg about the toy. He had talked about even having the idea of a display, a hop display, where you could appear like you're upside down. I love, and, and it's sitting right here. Yeah, I, and I love the fact that he discovered it here. He's like, oh, that's awesome. Somebody did it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that one's new to me. I hadn't seen that. Uh, oh, no, that's been here before, I'm sure. I don't remember it. Oh, yeah. Uh, two years ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it has, and I think it's very cool. But, clever. I mean, they've got the Palpatine sitting in the, in the throne from, yes. from Return of the Jedi. They've got all of their, uh, their guard out in force. Uh, actually, uh, it was funny. While we were walking to lunch, um, I was intimidated by a uh, stormtrooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. acting the part. Yep. It, they want you to join the Empire. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, they always try to add a little something. They I mean, they, they had, the, like, the detention cell, and then they added the Hoth, and I think they've got a, a Carbonite or something set up. Oh, yeah, the Carbonite booth. Thought, uh, we're, we're the, the merging of Disney properties since Star Wars <laughs> belongs to, to Disney, but so does Marvel. Uh, there are all sorts of characters in Carbonite that have nothing to do with Star Wars. Yes, I, I did notice the baby Groot in Carbonite. It yeah. seemed like a lot of Carbonite to waste for a little baby Groot. But. <laughs> you would have thought maybe uh, an ice cube tray might have done the trick. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, those uh, in the, in the um, He-Man setup. I'm not sure what charity it is they were uh, collecting for, but well, they're gonna get some of my money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's valid. I <laughs> hope it's good on Eternia. Uh, well, I, well, and I, I, I just hope the charity's not like uh, anti-maskers. <laughs> United. <laughs> I hope not. I might have to rethink. <laughs> No, it's very cool. A very, very neat way to go. Uh, there are some fantastic artists. We, oh, we, we bumped into a independent filmmaker who is out selling his wares here. Um, looking forward to watching the movie. What was it? Uh, oh, I, I should... Let me pull it out, and I'll say it. Well, we're, we're going to talk about it later on the show at some point. I, we, we will watch this. Yeah, this will be uh, an opening. Vampire, Vampire Foxes from Space. The title alone pretty much said I was going to buy this. <laughs> and then listening to him, uh, we talked to him for a few minutes, listening to him talk about the making of the movie, uh, where and how uh, it was filmed. It was like, oh, you're, you're singing 
you're singing my song, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy... <laughs> yeah, we, we built we, we built the sets in my house, and we did this, and you know, her bedroom was wardrobe, and uh, like... <laughs> my garage talking. was the cave. Yeah, just keep talking, I love it. No, and, and, and it's just extra interesting. Uh, Kyle Murphy, I believe, is the gentleman's name, and uh, he, he's from Alaska, where they did the work. And then has recently moved to the Cincinnati area. Right, but he's a Cincinnati area native. Right. But then moved to Alaska for, I think he said he was there for, you know, at least a, a decade or two. Yep. Uh, then, and, and then came back here to Cincinnati. So, uh, yeah, welcome back there, Kyle. Glad you're here. I'm looking forward to watching your movie. Absolutely. And they only wanted $10 for their DVD. I know, right? That's like bargain basement, even for independent film. That's fantastic. How do you walk past and not? <laughs> Vampire foxes from space for ten dollars. If nothing else, you're going to see attractive women. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole, uh, the whole do-it-yourself, psychedelic, practical effects. Yeah, I, I got my fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to watch it, and I'm just, I got my fingers crossed. I'm really like, please be good. I mean, he, he says he's been doing the film festivals, and the and the film festivals have been doing really well. He's been voted best horror comedy and things like that. Like, okay, my fingers crossed, but that could just mean that all the other ones were didn't worse, <laughs> worse, or there wasn't any others. You know, only entry in the category. Yeah, exactly. Which I've seen that kind of stuff happen before. Uh, a lot of times they'll say, "Oh, it was selected for the film festival." That just means they showed it. <laughs> They needed to fill a slot, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. If you were the, the film festivals in Springfield, Ohio, yeah. <laughs> but you might have been the only entry. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to watching it. We will, we will definitely talk about that more after we get a chance to watch the film. Definitely, that was a nice find. That we, we just kind of happened across that. Yeah, and so I, I bought, I did, I bought a DVD. Had him sign it. Had the art, the guy that, that did yeah. the artwork for the DVD cover, had him sign it. Uh, they're going to have one, a vampire fox, uh, oh, I, I, not from the film, yes, but yes. someone standing in for a vampire fox. So they're yeah, gonna we'll be have there. to go check that out. And, and for those that may know this film, if yet don't haven't seen it, but watch it. They're going to try to launch a comic book. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's going to be really cool. The, the title alone really lends itself to graphic novel <laughs> form to me, you know? Emphasis on the graphic, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> but, you don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, that'll be fun. I, I wish... That's the kind of things I, I wish I'd stumble upon more around here, you know? No, uh, we, we, we were lucky. This is his first convention. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, yeah, this, this, this is trial. He's going to see if he, how well he does here before deciding whether to uh, hit at other cons. I don't know if the Comic Expo is really the best one to use as your, you know, baseline, but... Since he's trying to the launch Horror a Hound comic book, really would have been a better. He, he said he was at Horror Hound as just an attendee. Uh, that was just last weekend. That seemed like that might have been more up his alley. That would have been the one to try to sell, I would think. I, I, probably, uh, it wouldn't have been a bad idea. But I get that he's also trying to launch a comic series off of this. So That's he true. is kind of in the in the area where he and he's got be. it and he's got the artist here and the art he's selling some other stuff it looks like he he had done some artwork or some books that he'd done covers for or something yeah. so 
No, I, no, so I, get, I get it. Get a taste for it. I get it. You know, when you're doing it, it's his first one. He's learning the ropes. Yeah. So. But I really hope it's good because I liked his energy. I did, yeah. Uh, he seemed like a lot of fun. Uh, he seemed really excited about it. So I, I hope it's not misplaced. Yes, no. Yeah. But, but as we say with about any of these things that we watch and all, this is a guy that had a vision and managed to get it to... The end. He's yeah, got a problem. He's got a disc. He's got a disc that said, I made a movie. More than I've done. Oh, exactly. And, and I'm excited that he's local, too. So if this is decent, I'm going to like, okay, I'm going to follow you and look for your next film. And I'm going to make sure I'm going to be like right there behind you. and like, hey. Well, and since he's all about the cross-promotional, you never know. Uh, maybe you get in as a dead guy in a Time Shifters podcast t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, exactly. I'll be his Baltimore division. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely try to get on the ground floor of anything else he has, he has coming up. If just for the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, we're done with lunch. We are. should head back out and uh, see what else we can find, see what other trouble we can get into. I'm starting that absolutely thing again. Start drinking. <laughs> so we will uh, We'll be back. Yep. Christopher in the studio jumping back in here real quick. I'm going to play a little, just the briefest excerpt from the John Berriman panel. This is just his introduction and a little story. There's so much that I can't use, and you're going to find out why here real quick. Because, um, yeah, John John, John works blue. He, he works very, very blue. delay but I had things set up with videos pictures everything the brand new show and they don't have the right equipment I know but one thing I do is I have the right equipment more on the speakers please so they can hear me anyway so we're gonna pick it up and I'm just gonna wing it I'm gonna wing the out of this program all right Do it off the cuff of everything. Um, how many were uh, having a good time or a bad time during lockdown? Everybody put their hands up. Good time or bad time? Uh, well, in lockdown, I was. Uh, we had the the fortunate thing of being able to shop online. Right? I love QVC. Yeah. QVC, and I would be on QVC on a Friday night. And I'd be going, boop, 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 that looks good. Oh, that looks good. Let's just turn it on and see what, you know, in the, in the kitchen with David's going on. Oh, that looks good. I'll buy that, buy that. I ordered nine fucking Christmas trees. And I forgot that I had ordered nine fucking Christmas trees until these boxes arrived. And I'm not kidding you, Clayton can attest to this because Clayton and his partner James were staying with us through COVID. Uh, literally, the boxes kept arriving, and he kept saying, what are these? I'm like, it's a Christmas tree. He's like, but you have three already, I know, but there's six more to come. Don't tell Scott. He's like, okay. And he said, what are we going to do with them? I said, I've got it all planned out. We're going to put Christmas trees all over the house, inside and outside. We're going to put three on the roof of the house. We're going to cover the house in lights, we're going to change the lights in front of the house, Clayton used uh, filters, and we had all the rainbow colors for Christmas, right? So we're up, yes, we're up on the roof, Clayton and I, 
uh, because we were putting the trees up. We had three Christmas trees going, and they, I, we said to Scott, plug them in! Plugged them in. Now our house in Palm Springs is quite close to the airport, okay? <laughs> where this is going. <laughs> American Airlines Flight 2425 ready for landing at Palm Springs International Airport. Also, I see these big lights coming towards Clayton and I on the house. And I'm standing on the roof and I'm like, what's that? And Clay goes, I think it's a plane. I said, how do you know? He said, and Scott goes, it's a plane. Scott's a pilot, right? He's a private pilot. He's like, it's a plane! I'm like, what, a Cessna? He goes, no, a 737 I'm like, it's coming from the house! I said, what do I do? He said, turn off the f***ing lights! They think it's the runway! I'm like, no, but it looks so good! They'll figure it out when they get there, they'll turn, they'll see the pool, they'll don't see no runway, they'll turn, they'll get it! He's like, they've never turned before for you, they're never gonna turn now! <laughs> oh my god! So, I'm standing on there, and this thing, literally, the 737, here's the house, here it comes, Um, I wanted to talk to you, now that we've walked around a little bit and we've seen a little bit of the cosplay this year. Yes. I wanted to talk to you about it. I think I'm a little torn, not torn, how do I don't want to think this. The cosplay I've seen has either been, well, I think it's fairly, a lot of it has been fairly simple, yes. but creative. Right. Uh, we saw a Doc Ock. Yes. The the. the there is a young man walking around in a Doc Ock outfit that is completely 100% homemade, cardboard, pipe cleaner, uh, hanger wire, that kind of thing. And he did an amazing job sitting there cutting the individual links in the, uh, in the robot arms and then hand painting each of them is amazing. It looks great. Yeah, that is probably, of all the things I've seen, that's probably my favorite so far I've seen here. Yeah, uh, and other people, uh, the thing that I've been really hyper-focused on is, is, okay, we're in an environment where we have to wear masks. Um, if your costume doesn't incorporate a full face mask kind of scenario, like Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and all that, um, I have been really making sure to compliment anybody that has taken the time to somehow make the mask fit with what they're doing. So we saw a, a Twi'lek female Jedi, and she actually went to the trouble of making her mask the same color as the body paint for her skin, and then incorporated a Jedi symbol on the side of it as if it were almost like a tattoo on, on her face. 
That was excellent. Um, we saw, I, I, you know, I'm not even sure what character she was. She looked like a character from um, uh, the Bioshock Infinity uh, series, but it could be somebody else. But she, she has a blue dress on, and she has a blue mask with that of the same color with the little white dots in it. Yeah, even if it's just a matter of color coordinating. Right. It it, it helps and it works. Uh, I particularly like the the woman dressed as uh, Philly Piper's Rose from Doctor Who, and she had the Union Jack T-shirt, and so she had a Union Jack mask. Yeah, absolutely, that's what, that was amazing. I like it's simple, it's easy, and it keeps because. There's some, there's a woman, she did really nice job with her costume. I think she's supposed to be Maleficent, but maybe not. Uh, but either way, she's some winged uh, queen-like lady. She's done really good face paint, but then she wore a plastic clear shield over the top of it. And I'm like, I think that would have been an opportunity to actually color out a mask the same color as your, uh, your face paint. Right, yeah. It would have blended more, and it actually would have protected <laughs> I'm just, but just as we're standing here talking, I've seen a couple things. I saw a really nice Mad Hatter walk by, a couple yep. of them actually. I just saw a uh, Joker down the road. Oh, yeah. And he's in like the white medical scrubs. And for his mask, he's got his his, his um, scarred smile <laughs> yeah. painted on the mask. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, little, uh, I'm going to take marks off for not committing to the full female nurse costume. <laughs> he, he did more of an orderly uh, yeah, male yeah. nurse kind of look but still kudos yeah no I, I think people have been pretty creative this year like I said I think there's been a lot of very simple cosplay a lot of you know not really outside the box except for the few and those I think were the ones that have been the most creative right so, so. But yeah, you'll run into your groups running around here. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can't knock something like that. That obviously took, that was not done in a couple of weeks or anything like that. No, that and, months of work. And, and a giant Wookiee. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at actual height, so you know they're walking on stilts around here. Yeah. So I um, got a, uh, there was a nice uh, Venom, uh, not Venom, uh, Carnage. Carnage, yes. Yeah. The Carnage looked really good. And that was probably just a red body stocking with like, the black uh, insulation foam or something like that sprayed and, and, and spread on it, but yeah, it and, worked really well. And, and great homemade costume, too. Uh, there is a kid running around here in one of those box droid things. Power, from power Star droid, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the power droids, the, thing, the, the box with just feet. <laughs> yep. He looked great. Yeah, that was really awesome. And that was probably just a couple laundry baskets, you know, <laughs> stuck together. Which probably wasn't all that far from what the damn thing was in the room. So yeah. like, no, it's all in how you photograph it. Now, I was really curious to see what the cosplay was going to be this year, and uh, I have not been disappointed. No, 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 no. They've done a great job. Uh, I, I started out actually being a little disappointed. In the early morning, I thought, wow, there's just really not much here. A few store-bought costumes, you know, stuff with the kids and everything, yeah. which is all great. I love that the kids dress up, even if it is just a store-bought Halloween costume. I think it's awesome that they do it and they come out. Because I have to think, if they have a good time doing that, yeah, they're going to get older and they're going to want to do a little bit more. They're going to want to try to do something that isn't just store-bought. They're going to try to make their own. They're going to try to make different characters. I mean, things like Spider-Man. It's easy. You go to the store, you get a... You, you get, get a Spider-Man costume. Get, right. 
but maybe that's not their favorite character. So right. they want to do something else. And they, they, they come and enjoy this environment like that. They get people that stop and have people take pictures of their family that are all dressed up. That's another thing, too, when the whole family gets into it. Yeah. That's my favorite. I love it. When mom and dad and kids, and they're all in costume, particularly if they're in a theme. I just, oh, no, you. you know, you're doing it right. The year, uh, speaking of that, the year that I went to the Baltimore Comic Con, my son and I, uh, we actually did themed. Uh, I was Cobra Commander and Jack was a uh, wild weasel. <laughs> um, and then we ran into an entirely other family that was all retro uh, G.I. Joe. So it, it, there was a Cobra Commander, a Baroness, and a Storm Shadow, and, <laughs> and a Cobra Trooper. It was adorable to see them. I've got a wonderful picture with them. Yeah, and I should so. say it's not just families. I mean, a lot of times there's a group of friends yes. that come up and they do a theme. We saw a bunch of Lokis. Uh, yeah, no, there's a pack of Lokis around here. Uh, the funny thing is there's so many Lokis running around, too. One got pigeonholed with the rest of them at one point, and we missed the opportunity to get that picture. Great, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, now we got multiverse Loki. So that's that's each one's a different, a, a Loki from a different verse. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's clever, and that's a great idea. And, and as we're standing here talking, we've got... Uh, uh, David Tennant coming by. <laughs> yep. uh, he's, with, he's with the queen. Or a princess of some kind. Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I've, been, I've enjoyed watching the cosplay. I really have. It, it's always one of the highlights. It, it, just even, to see the creativity that comes out. I don't even mind. You see either friends or couples, and they're dressed as things completely different universes. One's something from a television show, one's an anime character, or one's a comic book character, and another one's a completely different, who knows, and they're like, oh, can I get to figure out which one? Both. I mean, I want you together. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, in fact, we had to celebrate the, because uh, there was one that was clearly a uh, Hawkeye with the Twi'lek. We uh, had another behind us here. Now, right now. That was the one that we missed. Yep, um, he's got the nice staff and everything too. Oh, and he's and he's carrying um, the uh, uh, yeah the cube. I the can't think of the hell it's called. Uh, can, uh, can I get a real quick picture while you're passing by? Oh, oh yeah, if he's gonna go oh, wide here. Yeah, if you're going wide, hang on. There you go. Excellent, Perfect. got it. Thank you. All right, that's fun. Oh, good recording. Sorry, that's really great <laughs> podcasting right there. <laughs> There's nothing like a long break while you take a picture. That's right. <laughs> and as always, there are things I don't know. There are memes and characters, and I have absolutely no idea where some of this stuff comes from. But yeah. you know what? They're dressed up, so... Oh, here comes Fat Guy Thor. <laughs> um, <okay>. um. <laughs> no, 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 like uh, from Endgame. Oh, okay. Oh, fat guy. Oh, old Thor. Yeah, middle-aged old, Thor. Yeah, yeah middle-aged yeah, yeah, Thor. Yeah. Giving up Thor. Yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of very fun. Very nice. Yeah, no, impressive. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that it has uh, turned out the way it has. So, yeah, it, it, it's a nice mix of folks here. Yep. All right. Me back in studio again to introduce the next segment. This is a panel I sat in with the actor and voice actor Alan Oppenheimer. Now, if you don't know the man by name, you will know him by voice, and you will know something that he has done. 
I'm going to play the first 10 minutes where his agent, who kind of moderated the thing, lists off just reams of credits that are under this man's belt. Really incredible career. And then uh, Alan goes on and and kind of explains uh, how he got into business, which is something I always ask actors. So since he went ahead and asked and he told the story, I went ahead and uh, included that in this as, as well. And I'm going to play in the very end. He took questions from the audience, and I got a chance to ask him a question. Well, almost got to ask him a question because he answered it for me almost before I got it out of my mouth. And he schooled me in it, too. He corrected me. So, yeah, yeah. Always always fun to get schooled by the guy that you're trying to (laughs) interview or ask questions of. But he was very great. Uh, this audio is a little more sketchy, even more sketchy than the others, because I had a different recorder that I was using. It took me a little while to figure out the best place to put it, so excuse the wrestling and everything. So many of you know Alan Oppenheimer as Tor and Falcor. Of course, that's his main two things, but he is also a legendary on-screen actor in very many diverse roles in popular American television programming, including... Uh, as a kind of Nazi in Hogan's Heroes. Uh, he was a, there we go, I knew there was a Hogan's Heroes fan in here. There always is, there was always one in the group. He is also an Israeli secret agent in Get Smart. Any Get Smart fans? No. Uh, he also was the second actor to play Dr. Rudy Wells on Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, he was also, which was one of my favorite uh, roles, was he was Alvin B. Tutwiler on Mama's Family. <laughs> uh, he then continued in science fiction genre in 1973 cult classic Westworld, where he played a scientist. Uh, he also has appeared as three different characters on Star Trek in three different series. Uh, but of course, notably, uh, Mr. Oppenheimer has voiced many, many characters uh, in uh, voiceover, uh, often for filmation. Uh, he started in the 1970s and he ran into the series The New Adventures of Mighty Mouse. Um, he was also Ming the Merciless on Flash Gordon. And then he played Overlord on Black Star. And then, of course, everybody's favorite. He was Skeletor, Man at Arms, and Merman, and Cringer, and Battle Cat, and Buzz Off, and Roboto in Masters of the Universe. And he did, he did borrow from his own voice. Uh, he did uh, the Ghostbusters, uh, the real, not the real Ghostbusters, the, the real Ghostbusters, the real one, uh, the first one where he played uh, Primeval. Uh, he also lent his voice to Thargo as the Barbarian, and also one of my other favorite characters, which was Vanity Smurf in the Smurfs. Uh, he also did a show called The Wuzzles. Does everybody remember The Wuzzles? He was Rhinoki in, in, in the Wuzzles. He later on in 1984 uh, did a small movie that maybe some of you have heard of called The Never Ending Story. Where he voiced not only Falcor, everybody's favorite, but also the rock fighter oh. and Gamork. And then at the very, very end of the movie, he was the narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Oppenheimer then uh, started to work on The Transformers, where he played Beachcomber and Warpath and Sea Spray. And then, uh, if you do remember Sea Spray, Sea Spray was very similar to a character that he did on Masters of the Universe, which was Merman. Uh, in 19, uh, sorry, in 2019, not a lot of people know this one, 
but he was the old timer in Toy Story 4, where he joined the Mel Brooks and Carol Burnett and Carl Reiner in the closet with Woody. <laughs> and that leads us to 2020, where Kevin Smith came in and asked Mr. Oppenheimer to come back to Masters of the Universe Revelation, where he lent his voice to Moss Man. And then they promptly killed him in the first episode. <laughs> Which is not fun. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Yeah, exactly. So please welcome to the stage Emmanuel I do it, my dear. <laughs> I can say that. We, we've known each other. How's your steak? Everything all right? Yeah, yeah, you know. We, we have to make sure we tip the waitress, though. Okay. All right. Can you all hear me clearly? Yep. Awesome. So I'm going to run through some of apart. I, was, I took off my mask. <laughs> it's just the two of us up here, so I think we're okay. Um, so I'm going to run through some of my own questions, and obviously at the end we'll open it up for you guys. Please feel free to think of any awesome, you know, questions you got, and we'll come up to this here, and you guys can ask it. So, Mr. Oppenheimer. You can call me by my first name. Oppie. Good. <laughs> Only friends can do that. So, please let the folks know, uh, how did you get started in the business? Luck. Luck. That's it. We're going to have one, one more answer for that. No, I started in radio. You remember radio? That's when I started it. Because there was no television then. And uh, I, uh, I, I got my union card when I was 14 years old. And uh, then uh, I went to Carnegie Tech in Pittsburgh. And uh, I think I was about 18 or 19. And uh, one of the seniors was looking at the call board, and he said, said to uh, call Lionel at uh, KDKA. So I said to uh, I said to him, I said, what is this? He says, oh, I do a show called Adventures in Research. I said, would you ask Lionel Fulton if I can? So he, he said, yeah, okay, we'll try it. So I worked two years, once a week, on KDKA, playing a different scientist each week. Uh, different dialects, because discoveries, of course, made in different countries. And uh, that paid me scale, $25 a show. And that paid for college for two years. Of course, college then was a lot cheaper than it is now. And interestingly enough, I graduated in 1951. The Korean War was on, I was drafted. And I had a letter of recommendation from Lionel Fulton, KDKA. So I did got out of the infantry and was sent to Trieste, Italy as a disc jockey. How about that? <laughs> but it saved me from the wars of Korea. So that's how I really started. Uh, and then uh, I got into I got into repertory theater for years. I'm really a theater actor. Uh, and I was in repertory in Washington, D.C. for 10 years uh, in the winter and the summer I did musicals in Massachusetts. And then I came out to California and uh, on tour and stayed and got work as a guest star on I Spy almost immediately. And I worked every week from probably 1966 2004, maybe. I 
worked every week in television, movies, went to Broadway for three years, we did Sunset Boulevard with Glenn Close. And I, the only thing I haven't done is the circus, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I even did a nightclub act when I was in New York that was so bad they never invited me back. Oh, which made me comfortable. Oh no, I stank, you know. You really, it takes a lot of experience to do a nightclub act. And I was not ready to put in that kind of experience. I, as a matter of fact, I was very arrogant to even try and do a nightclub act. But anyhow, so then uh, I really, I kind of retired about four or five years ago. And this is what I do now, and I meet these people, and I hear stories about the effect I had on your life as children. Most of it, very plus. Some of it, plus in the sense that it rescued you from uh, dysfunctional families, shall we say. I found that very moving, because it's not what you expect to hear. Um, I think I think it shows three or four people, uh, a gentleman in their 30s who came up at different times and uh, told me that uh, a uh, a moral at the end of He-Man uh, saved them at age six or seven from committing suicide. Well, I have a lot of trouble with that. As a matter of fact, there's one person today who indicated without using those words, that it saved his life. I remember I was working in Miami doing my, one of my first of these, and three Argentinians came up. <coughs> and one of them said they remembered a moral at the end of, uh, never, of uh, Master of the Universe, where it said, if you are out uh, on a hike or whatever with your parents and you get separated, don't try to find them. You'll just go in circles and get lost. Stay where you are, they'll find you. And one of these gentlemen told me that he started to walk around, they didn't remember that, sat down where he was, and they found him two hours later. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be lost in the Amazon, would you? <laughs> and uh, that kind of brings me up to this point. This has been a revelation to me to meeting the fans, talking to you all, and to find out about your lives. You know my life. My life is a cartoon life, as far as you're concerned. But to find out about your lives is fascinating. I should have recorded every damn bit of it, and I'd have two or three books. <laughs> but you've had very interesting lives. A lot of it turbulent, a lot of it plus. But you're all here, and you're okay. And the future looks bright once we get out of this crap that we're in now. I wanted to thank you for coming out, first of all, here to Cincinnati. I understand you've just kind of uh, rejoined the convention circuit, so we really appreciate you coming out and visiting with us. Yes, it's a thrill to have you. Uh, my, a friend of mine and I were talking about your filmography. You know, we were, your name had come up, and we started going through, and we realized, oh my God, you're kind of like an almost an unsung hero of our childhoods because we might recognize the voice and we might recognize the face, but we didn't have a name to kind of put to it. So we're going through your filmography and we're going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So yeah, you know, thank you so much. And we started seeing things and they're like, oh my God, I can hear that. I didn't know that was him. <laughs> it was fantastic. 
Uh, I'll get to my question. I'm sorry, there's people behind me. Uh, I'm very curious because one of the things we, we were just watching and reviewing um, your premiere is Rudy Wells, um, the second $6 million man TV movie. And I forgot that you went through the whole first season of Rudy Wells as well. Oh, the first season. Yeah. The first season, of, and, and then they, they, they switched Rudy Wells again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I did the first three seasons. Three seasons? Oh, excuse me. On the fourth season, they wouldn't give me any more money. So they well, there you go. Yeah. Again, you already answered so many of my questions. <laughs> your, your stories early on, and you just answered that one, too. I was curious as to why, you know, why they made the, the change again when you had already kind of set the character. Oh, uh, cheap. <laughs> <laughs> They're worth the money. So I'm very surprised. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for answering. Thank you. So many questions. Again, thanks for coming out. While I was getting schooled by Alan Oppenheimer, Tom was sitting in uh, Felicia Day's Q&A, and he recorded that one. I'm going to play a couple excerpts from that. I'll play the opening or when she first sits down and she talks about the uh, local Oktoberfest that's happening on that was happening on the same weekend sounds like she went down and checked it out and the uh, moderator suggested that she try some Skyline or Gold Star there and, and introduces her to the chili war that's here in Cincinnati and then I'm also going to play an extra towards the back during a Q&A someone asked her a question about the Mystery Science Theater 3000 the question was basically what she used to draw on to create her version of Dr. Forrester. Hi. Hi, <laughs> everybody. Thank you so much for turning out. This has been a wonderful weekend. And I want to thank you. If I met you downstairs, thank you for coming by. And if I haven't, maybe I'll see you. But if, if not, thank you for being here in this room. It is almost Saturday night. I had so many of them last night, they don't wear well. <laughs> I think I was alone in bed. You never eat them? That's a traditional Oktoberfest delight. I'm good. You should try Skyline though, right? I'm going to postmate some Skyline tomorrow for lunch because I gotta get some of that going on, right? Is that douchey? I mean, I can't go. I'm here all day. Like, I need those Skylines. Although there is some Gold Star people here, I'm guessing. There's a fight. There's a Gold Star versus Skyline fight. Wait, there's a fight between chilies? Yes. <laughs> Who wins? Because, like I said, you have done everything. You were reading things on my resume. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that show. <laughs> they will not forget. I, uh, yeah, Adventure Time. I forgot that I was on Adventure Time, y'all. I did. I honestly did. I was like, wait, was I on that show? And then I realized I did like nine or ten episodes. But I just, I don't know. 
Well, most of the people that have been here this weekend have been awesome, but they've like kind of known for one or two things. But with you, the whole time, like, I just want to be like Chris Farley, like, remember when you did that? Let's go. Remember when you did that? But, uh, are you like the poster child for homeschoolers? Because you're like the coolest homeschooler in the world, right? I mean, who else was home? I can't think of any other cool. I've met a couple of home. Who's homeschooled here? I know. See? There's some cool people. Right, they're cool. Right here. You're not saved. They're not. That's the nice cool. I mean, we're cool at being not cool. Okay? Well, who's the coolest homeschooler you've met then outside yourself? Like, in the that world. Oh, boy. I've met a couple. Like, I've met geneticists. Like, for some reason, the homeschoolers are like, always like the nerdiest. Like, they are the most obscure. Cryptography, working for the NSA, or like studying like gorilla habitats in Rwanda, like they are like hardcore cool people. Like I'm always like, tell me more about your job. Um, so I, I think that homeschooling, you know, there's a lot of things like social awkwardness that I took 20 years of therapy to come over. <laughs> but there's also like, you're really, if you're, you get into something and you get good at it because you got nothing else to do all day. But That's my understanding is your homeschooling was not just Hey, mom's got a uh, lesson for us. It was like straight life school, right? My what? Straight life school? What does that yeah, mean? Like, like I was on the streets? Yeah, like you were like, <laughs> No, you were like at seven years old, like like doing bills and doing things for home. And I mean, my mom was very lackadaisical. Uh, it was basically like being raised like a wolf a little bit, but I learned how to cook some. That's the street way. Man. Yeah, I learned how to cook tuna noodle, uh, you know, casserole. Very good. It's yeah, I have tuna noodle casserole. Um, I ate Doritos as a primary lunch for many years. Uh, I would just read books all day and watch Lost in Space and Star Trek: The Next Generation and Mystery Science Theater 2000. I watched a lot of TV. I read a lot of video, I read a lot of books and I played a lot of video games. And I also did other things. But like when you have the whole day, y'all, you gotta fill your hours. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm talking to you guys who told me I binge Supernatural in three. Somebody who acts like they know what they're doing, and that is absolutely, yeah, but we all know those people. Usually, our bosses 
<laughs> so they act like they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and so that's kind of how I infused her into that. And also, I was obsessed with Mr. St. Cedar as a kid. My brother and I, that's one of the things we watched when we were in high school. So basically, my love of the Mads was more than any for the boss. And the, I just love the Mads so much. So I think I just had it in my blood to be a forester. And when Joel emailed me to be a forester, I started crying. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's literally a dream come true. Every day on that set is a dream come true. And I was so excited to get that coat back on and torture people. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, hoping they learn some lessons. But it sounds interesting, too, because she talked about uh, when they come back to do that, they're going to, like, be changing out the hosts. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't so, know how that'll work, but... Yeah, yeah it's a little, that's a little odd, because you kind of, you want some familiarity when you step in, and to have someone different each time, I'm assuming, like, the bots will be the same. Right. Although that has been one of my key little quirks with it is uh, the bots changed a little too much from the from the days of Joel and Mike to uh, right. to the newer version. Uh, they, uh, the characters are a little off for my taste. So, yeah. let alone the the voices. I mean, they are right. distinctly different. But right. uh, we we, but, we shall see. Yep. It was nice to hear too that she had such a connection to the old MST. Yeah, I mean, she really was. This was like a passion project for her a little bit when she finally got the call and asked to be a, a Forrester in the <laughs> Netflix series. Yeah, she does seem to have a penchant for the darker side too. <laughs> she yeah. tends to lean toward villainy. <laughs> yes. And then uh, after her, we went ahead and listened to the Tom Cavanaugh Q and A. Yep. Uh, that was interesting. He's an actor. I'm not, I've seen him in a couple things. Um, I didn't realize that I saw him quite a long time ago because I used to watch Scrubs. Right. And he had a guest appearance he had a on guest Scrubs role as, there. Uh, as JD's younger brother. Uh, he was in a yeah. series that was very popular for the longest time, Ed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've known him from the uh, Flash stuff where he had the unique opportunity to. He played the same character, but because it was a character that they found in other dimensions, he got to play different versions of himself. That's what I gathered. So. Yeah, I'm not a Flash viewer, no. so I didn't know, but that, yeah, that was interesting. That's always a just an interesting role. I, I kind of I'm envious of actors when they get to do that kind of stuff, where they get to play different versions of their characters. Right. You it's know, like I, I get I, I get a good gig, and I get to be not just one person. Well, and I enjoyed the one of the uh, one of the guests uh, or one of the uh, attendees asked him a process question about doing that. The well, when you have to play the the characters and they're all going to be in the same scene together, how does that play out? And it was his answer was actually re- really interesting. The notion that other actors sat in and had to play him playing the character right. while he was doing the one catching that on camera and mm-hmm. then he'd switch out and do it again right. and like need something to play off yeah of. and right. then it's it then it's, it turns into an all-day event just mm-hmm. trying to capture this one scene right. that's that's interesting i thought that was a lot of fun yeah no it was a it was a fun he's a also a very fun person to list talk to yeah. definitely a man of energy and yes. passion and yeah that definitely came through and he was a lot of fun oh and he uh he he was great with because uh his panel did have, or uh, yeah, the the attendees asking questions. They lacked a little imagination in some cases, so he was very gracious and very kind in how he approached some of the uh, some of the content. Right. Yes. And for everyone that came into line had more than one question, so it kind of <laughs> yeah, that, was, that became a, a running gag. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, you know, this is the first time the expo has been back since 2019 because of the pandemic. I think it went really well. I mean, like I said, I think the guests, while very interesting and very good, were low-key. Yes. But I think they pulled off 
pulled off a fun weekend. No, it was a, it was a good time. It was definitely uh, uh, reserved by comparison to, to prior ones. Uh, not as dynamic. Not um, the way it's a little muted in the approach because uh, everyone keeps the mask on initially until everyone's into position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the present the uh, the moderator and the guest sit very far from one another. So. Yeah. Um, so it tends to take a little of the energy out of it, but I thought uh, it still came together really well. No, absolutely. I, I think someone like John Berryman probably would have had fun a couple of years ago when it was, you know, a more open. I could have seen <laughs> yeah. him getting out from behind his table and just causing mischief all over the con. Oh, yeah, no, and as I understand his behavior, that would have been very much the the thing, but he had to, he had to dial it back for, yeah, for yeah. this. So, you know... It, coming off of uh well i say coming off the pandemic like it's over um not that it is but the having the opportunity to come out to a live event again um anything is better than nothing <laughs> yes, yes exactly and um we of course did manage to spend money of course a uh, little you know, some more than others but <laughs> i'm not saying any i'm not going to say who <laughs> It wasn't too bad, though. This was probably one of the least expensive uh, cons I've been to in quite a while. Well, it's one of those things. When it comes to the the booths, the collectibles and all that, uh, especially with you and I getting older, <laughs> chances are we've gotten a good hunk of the stuff that we yeah, actually wanted yeah. already, and it becomes uh, replays of what we already have. And so. be disgusted, too, why we were walking and looking and window shopping at some of the stuff, too, is we both become a little bit more pragmatic <laughs> and a little bit more, you know, reasonable <laughs> when we see stuff. It's not just, not oh, to... that looks cool, buy it. Yeah, right. no, we're, we're, we're uh, the, maybe the fuddy-duddy setting in a little bit, but little when bit. you when you see the, the really cool item, especially some of them now that, that they're just big, uh, yeah. You can get things in scales that you wouldn't have conceived of before. Yeah. It was different when we were collecting the three and a half inch figures, and you could have a thousand of them, and they fit in a shoebox. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, the the bigger stuff, uh, the statues, the the vehicles, the stuff like that. You got to have somewhere to go with it, and oh, there's yeah, only yeah. so many nooks and crannies yeah. that those things fit into. Ten, twenty year ago, me would definitely have the three foot Godzilla in his room or apartment or home or something somewhere, you know, or just being a floor in a corner of the living room or something. Um, I don't have that. You know, I've seen it right now. I can't, I can't touch it for the price. There was a time where I saw it and I was like, oh, that's only 50 bucks, you know. Right. I could have bought it, but I didn't. Yes, no, I would. You gotta, you could just lose yourself in the hole. I remember when I had that in my hand and it was this much, and now it's $300. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, prices definitely have uh, kept me away from a few collectibles here and there. Uh, it's today no different than any other expo I've seen. No. Um, I try to, anymore, I kind of. Uh, save my save my money for the things that are like really like something that i know is going to possibly interest me or may have some future use not just sitting getting dust on a on a shelf yep hard to change those out on a regular basis yeah exactly but you know i ended up buying um one gentleman was um, uh, selling some uh some comic books taking like the classic universal monsters and making his own little universe with it and mm-hmm. took put it in the graphic novels and had a nice print that went along with it i'm like okay that's interesting you know i'm gonna enjoy reading that 
that might be something that's ongoing. So I, I picked that up. Um, and I tend to like to uh, find uh, the artists that do their own renderings of something in a certain way. Yes. And this year, uh, uh, essentially the steampunk artist, the, the guy making uh, uh, figures and, and pieces out of uh, discarded uh, metal bits and all that. Right. Uh, found a cute little gremlin to purchase uh, that it was made out of bolts and wire and all that. So. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I, I like that just reinterpretation of things mm -hmm. and, and into another art form. Yep. Uh, some fantastic stuff. Uh, the chalk drawing, the chalk art was really good. Yeah. That was tempting. There's a lot of those where I was really tempted because some of the stuff, it looks like a photograph and they're like, oh no, we did it with chalk. Like, how do you do that with chalk? That's incredible. No, those were cool. Um, there's a, a table that we stopped at where they were making light boxes. So they had the... Uh, they did the yeah, paper cutout. Yeah. So it was they, a th like a three-dimensional uh, layered uh, uh, vista or view of, of, their, of the art. Yeah, Yeah, with, uh, with lighting effects inside the box to uh, add a little something to it so yeah and those were those were really cool but their prices were about five or ten dollars more <laughs> cool than how i felt they you know they were yeah no uh yeah when the optimus prime light box was fifty dollars like maybe yeah. more like 20. well i had a really neat godzilla that, but it, it was yep. effectively just a silhouette right of godzilla and i'm thinking they wanted like 20 bucks for it and i'm like I can cut out my own silhouette. You right. know. It's ten dollars cool if you want me to walk out the door with it. Yeah, exactly. Because it, because it's in a frame, you right. know, or some kind. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying for the frame, and you're including the paper. That's right. Inside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. lots of lots of good stuff. But yes, we're 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 getting older. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but it was a good time. I enjoyed myself. It was great getting out amongst you know my people again <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and and it was definitely worth the drive here to to participate yep thank you for coming into town for this I, I know you were looking forward to it as well i'm glad yep. it did not disappoint no no it was a good time well i guess that's it um thanks cincinnati comic expo for pulling off a good time thanks for trying to keep everybody safe yep. you know uh there was lots of hand sanitizer stations they were very encouraging for everyone to keep those masks right where they needed to be. They made uh, lots of periodic announcements over the PA to yes. remind people, put your mask up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, they, they, did, they did a really nice job. So I think everyone's going to come out of here very happy. And uh, yeah, so thanks very much, Cincinnati Comic Expo. That's Thank gonna, you. That's going to do it for us for the Cincinnati Comic Expo coverage. Unless we... Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that this is one that's going to keep giving because we made some really nice contacts here yes, with a few different creators we got some potential movie footage to watch we've got some connections to toys to talk yes, about yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah no there's lots of good potential here yep future episodes are to come so that's it thanks for listening everybody